For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen back again with Matt Connor for the second straight week as Matt Verderam is enjoying his paternity leave. Matt, you're a Matt. You're not the Matt that they're used to, but you're the Matt that they're going to get. How you doing, I'm buddy? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am not the math you, you deserve, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, feeling for feeling for Matt right now. There's probably a lot of joy in that household and probably also not a lot of sleep. So I hope he's doing all right and uh, getting what he can in this uh, in this time. Yeah. Well, as you know, Matt Verderam is a very, uh, you know, even keeled, unemotional kind of guy. So I'm sure he's handling everything. I'm sure. Very, very even Steven. Um, Very measured doses right now at home for Matt. I'm sure. Yeah. What's up? What's up, everybody uh, in the chat? Nice to see you all. What's up, Cortex? What's up, uh, USAF Chiefs fan? Uh, USAF Chiefs fan. Pat, have you lost weight, sir? Tell him. I have. I have. Thank you for noticing. You're the first one to notice. Um, Wait, uh, I just asked you the other day. Noticed. No, he's the first one to. He's the first one in the in the podcast. Right. Well, you, we have such great listeners on the show. They're they're they're, they're tuning in every week, and it, it's you know it's it's slow. It's a slow process. So, but if he hasn't tuned in in a while, maybe he's the one that noticed it. Yeah, um, uh, coming up on 20 pounds here in the last uh, like two months. So went hard. Went hard. I, I don't do anything halfway. It's like, I, I, I think I told you before when I used to smoke, I was, I was a pack a day guy. Uh, if I'm losing weight, I'm a lose a lot of weight kind of guy. So appreciate, appreciate you noticing that. Um, hey, listen, everybody, I got an announcement for you as we get into the podcast here. Um, we're going to be talking draft. The draft, NFL draft is two weeks away. We're super excited about that. Uh, but we're doing a, a giveaway. We're giving away a Patrick Mahomes jersey. If you, uh, thank you, Tremblay. Um, if you saw my, uh, my tweet or the Arrowhead Act tweet, we're giving away uh, a monthly. We're doing this every month. We're going to be giving away a jersey. I'm thinking maybe next month we do a, like one of those Chiefs Super Bowl replica rings. Um, those are really cool. Maybe somebody would be interested in that. Um, but yeah, so we're doing a monthly contest giveaway. This month we're giving away a Patrick Mahomes jersey, as I mentioned. There are multiple ways for you to enter. So check out the link in the description of this video to find out how to enter. Terms and conditions apply. All that stuff. Um, but you can like follow people on Twitter, subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, there's a button you could just enter, but you can get multiple entries. So like if you're already subscribed and, and you follow us all because you guys are awesome, there's still just a way for you to enter. If you're new, you can get multiple entries. So there'll always be ways for y'all to, to get in on these giveaways. We'll be giving that away uh, early next month and then we'll be launching a new giveaway. So we're excited about that. Um, 
Well, I'll tell you what, Matt. I'm a little down. I'm feeling a lot better because uh, USAF Chiefs fan noticed my, my weight loss. But yeah, I'm having a rough week, man. I, like, Is it Chiefs related or is it it's, uh, it's, everything? It, it's not, man. Like my house is falling down around me. You know, like, you know, we bought this house in June. We're coming up on a year. And it's like um, there's like a couple additions on it. And the guy did the like the, whoever sold us the house. They did the work themselves and uh, yeah, they didn't know what they were doing and our <laughs> inspector missed it. It's all really bad. I'm talking. The inspector missed it. The inspector missed We've already been refunded the inspection fee. I mean, they missed so many things, horrible. Like, so we have to tear off the roof on part of the house. Just found that out this week. Oh, um, we have se- like severe water infiltration because the roof wasn't put on. But on top of the roof is a bunch of a- HVAC equipment. So that has to be removed. So I just had somebody out to give me a quote for that. I mean, it's been an absolute nightmare. I think you guys have heard me mention it on the podcast. I'm trying to like, I'm a pretty positive guy in general, you know? And like, man, it's tough though. Like I'm trying to say like positive about it. Like, hey, like we need to tackle one thing at a time. And you know, like it's not that bad, but it's just like, do you ever see that movie, uh, The Money Pit with Tom? Uh, is that Shelley Long with Tom? I think so. Yeah. It's just like that, except not funny at all. <laughs> um, and so, you know what I mean? Like my wife and I like, we'll like get real low. And we'll be like, oh man, you know, like, and then like, we'll rally the next day, you know, we're like, okay, like we're going to, you know, we got this, we're going to do this. And like, okay, we, you know, we can see a lot, but I mean, it's, I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars. Brutal. There's, there's all kinds of stuff going on. It's, it's awful. I'm, 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 I'm trying to stay up, but it's just like, you know, you're sitting there and you're seeing like the, the water damage in the wall and you know, like the drywall's rotting, but you got to tear up the roof where you get the money. And it's just like, oh, nightmare. I hope any, I hope nobody else is going through like, anything like that. But I will just, if I can give advice to anybody is please, please find, make sure you do your due diligence on your home inspector and like bring out specialists. If you're looking to buy a place, don't do, don't do what we did and just trust that your inspector, like he looked at me and he was like, this is a good house. This is a good house. I'm like, man, I hope I don't want walk by that guy on the street. Anyway, enough of my woes. Um, I wanted to give one shout out to, before we get into the chief stuff to our guy, Gonzo, uh, Gonzo, a longtime supporter of the podcast. I know he's out there watching right now. He and I were chatting on Twitter last night, you know, all the, t- the tough time I'm going through. I'm not the only one. I know you guys, some of you guys out there go through tough times too. Sometimes you reach out to us and, and you let us know about that. And we appreciate it because we really consider you all friends and, uh, friends in the chief's kingdom, friends of this podcast. So, um, uh, Gonzo, just wanted to give a shout out to Gonzo. I hope you're doing well, man. I appreciate you, uh, your support of the show, and I hope it's, I hope it gives you, uh, I hope it gives you an, a nice lift today. Um, oh, appreciate you, Jimmy. Um, Jimmy says, "Hello, guys. I'm going to get started uh, with 29 and 30. Can we move up as high as number nine for the point system? So I feel Veach is going to package some picks at 29 and 30 and pick Jermaine Johnson. You guys rock. Really appreciate you, Jimmy. I'm going to answer. We're going to answer your question in just a minute about could they try trade all the way up to number nine because we have a we have a mock draft that we're going to review that's very close to that so we're going to get to that in just a second and but we're going to start off with uh before we get into the draft talk we got a reader review and a really fun exercise and i think you guys will want to participate in this as well so this you get you did this matt you and sterling on tuesday show you you went through this exercise it was a review from bush 97 love the show um you know really appreciates uh, all of us talking and how we don't always agree i'm not going to do the whole review because it's already been read but they asked if you could create an all-time all-time Chiefs receiver core, wide receiver one through five, who would it be? So we're going to want to hear from you guys out in the YouTube chat. 
uh, all-time Chiefs receiving court. Now, you and Sterling did this on Tuesday's show. So if you guys want to hear what Sterling thought, head on over to Tuesday's show. Check that out if you missed it. I decided to do this exercise because I thought it sounded like a hell of a lot of fun. So here's who I went with. And you tell me, Matt, because I haven't listened to Tuesday's show. I'm a bad, bad teammate. No, go for I it. Hey, yeah. to, I got, um, okay, so Tyreek Hill, obviously, is your number one. Obviously. Uh, Clearly the best receiver in Chiefs history, you know, even though he didn't get to rack up all the numbers, maybe some other guys did for, for lack of longevity. So number one, Tyree Kill. Number two, I wish I could have seen this guy play. Otis Taylor has to be number two. For, for all you old heads that are watching, I'm sure will agree that got to see Otis play. He was an absolute. So uh, he played for, with the Chiefs from 1965 to 1975. So we all know what that era was like, right? 65 to 75, like a lot of smash mouth football, not a lot of forward pass. Otis Taylor had 7,300 yards for the Chiefs between 65 and 75, which is just absolutely nuts. He had uh, in, in uh, I believe it was 1966, like 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns in that season for a 17.8 average in 1966. That's completely bananas. He's got some downfield uh, ability, Goodness. like shades of things to come. Goodness gracious, can he can he still suit up? Can we get him <laughs> in? Like, I mean, that's absolutely incredible. Um, so, so obviously, Tyree Kill going with Otis Taylor. Those are my two pillars on the receiving core. Now, obviously, the Chiefs haven't had a lot of great wide receivers. Um, the top two receivers in Chiefs history are tight ends, and Tony Gonzalez and Travis Kelsey. So I didn't include them on this list because they're tight ends, and, the, and he asked about receivers. So number three, and we talked about this when we talked about our favorite wide receivers. I'm going with Andre Bad Moon Rising. And Bad Moon Rising. Bad Moon. You know, his, his time with the Chiefs, like, he, he was productive. But the way I looked at this exercise, as far as like best receiving, I'm putting together a receiving core. Well, that means in my view, I get prime Andre Ryzen too from his earlier part of his career, which easily is like a, a completely deadly with Otis, Tyreek, and Andre Ryzen. Like peak Andre Ryzen um, is absolutely awesome. Uh, number four, there were some contenders here, right? Like, do I pick Johnny Morton because I want to see somebody doing the worm? Do I, uh, <laughs> do I pick, um, you know, uh, but I went with Dwayne Bowe underrated just receiver in general yeah you know maybe not what people wanted him to be Derek alexander from usa chiefs fan uh yeah was he was awesome for sure i see lake dawson i love lake dawson didn't put up a ton of big numbers but Dwayne bow is my number four and then with number five you know i thought about eddie kennison but i thought you know with all these guys on the field tyreek otis andre brazen Dwayne bow like there's just not going to be enough like passes, even even with Andy to go around. So I went with Dexter or for I went with uh, Dante Hall for my number five, so I can use him in the return game. At that point, I'm thinking my team's putting up 40 points a game easily, especially if Mahomes is quarterback. Do you yeah. agree? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because you know that the human joystick's going to be running some back himself. The offense won't even get back on the field before the defense has to go back out. Right. And then you could play around. Like you could go in some spread formations and, and, and put Dante in there and pitch him the ball or have him run a reverse. You know, he's got all that space. Like, um, oh God, Lucas, Frankie Hammond Jr. Wherever Verderam is, he just said, you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we got some good ones out there. Oh, Jason Avant and Donnie Avery. Come on, stop trolling. Um, <laughs> so many great, so many great recent memories out there. Yeah. Yeah. Tyree Kildwain, but Willie Davis is a good one. Agreed. Jose. Um, who did you go with, Matt? Just real quick with your list. Yeah, well, you know, we had Bo. Um, we actually didn't put Otis Taylor on the list because we thought wow. it was like guys that we'd seen. Like we thought it was oh, okay. more 
personal to that sure um rather than like a, just an obvious all franchise top five which makes it even worse it's already bad enough trying to find five great chase receivers right like you get into questionable territory pretty quickly after like three or four even but so i had um derek alexander in mind um because i loved him and then um and Kennison was on the list. Kennison was on Sterling's list. We also had fun making an anti-top five. It was like John Baldwin, Sylvester Morris, Snoop Menace. Oh, uh, you know, some <laughs> of those Snoop. names. Snoop, Snoop Menace. Menace. Yeah, so we had, a, um, we had a good time. It was a good time. Sly Morris. Yeah, some of these guys. J.J. Burden, obviously, yeah. Um, some, some of the old-timers. I wanted to go with a mix of... Uh, uh, if you're talking peak, how about Joe Horn? That's a great point. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go with a mix of like, I had to get one of the, some of the old timers in there and, and also guys I've seen that I would want to watch again. Yeah. Totally. Uh, o- Otis was just like, I he had, I mean, I'm still just, I didn't know that he did that in, in 66. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Considering the era he played it really fun. I'm going to have to go back and watch a bunch of highlights. Now I'm going to do a quick announcement here. So, uh, and then I've got a question for Matt. I'm going to ask you this, and I want you to think about it. Okay. How many Super Bowls will Patrick Mahomes win as the Chiefs quarterback? That's my question for you. Think about it. But before okay. you answer, the Arrowhead Attic Podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company. I'm rocking the hoodie. Casey Beer Co. is the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City, and they're also the only brewery in Kansas City to focus on German beer styles. They actually brew their beer according to the German purity law of 1516. So they use four ingredients, malt, hops, water, yeast, no hibiscus, no cacao beans. They're not throwing any of that crap in there. They make fantastic beer the right way, the pure way. Not that you can I, give me the cacao. I'm all for it. But it's it's pretty incredible uh, how good their beer is by, by following the purity laws. It's absolutely delicious. Uh, it's an award-winning brewery with a terrific lineup. So whatever your kind of beer you're into, like if you're not really, if you don't, if you don't know a lot about German beers, you, like that doesn't mean you're not going to like this beer. It's not weird or anything. It's, it's very similar to all the other kinds of beers you probably like. So you'll be able to find something that you're into. So look for the red KC beer cartons in your local store and support the Arrowhead Attic podcast by supporting KC Beer Co. You can do us a favor, uh, especially I'm asking for it. I'm having a rough week. Help me out here. Tag at KC Beer Co. on Twitter and let them know you heard about their beer uh, on this podcast. It, it keeps us in business and uh, it'll it'd be a personal favor to me and make me feel a little bit better after this miserable week <laughs> of like multi thousand dollar quotes to fix my house uh appreciate all your support dare to beer different please drink responsibly 21 and over okay how many super bowls is patrick mahomes gonna win as the chiefs quarterback boy i want to i want to say my hope is five but i think reality says three i mean i you know i mean could be easily be four if you said he's gonna win one every five years he plays it could be four but i think what we're watching right now is that like the afc is more loaded than ever I think if yeah. the Chiefs were going to win like four or more, like eight, like five or even more, you had to take advantage of this window. Like when you went to the Super Bowl twice, yeah. post the AFC Championship four times, I think walking away with one is going to be really tough to... I mean, Brett Veach has the draft picks now. You have 12 in this draft. You already have 10 in next year's draft. And that's before he probably trades some of this year's picks for next. And next year's draft class is supposed to be much deeper and better overall. So the Chiefs have 22 current picks with which to set the stage for what Mahomes can do. But Mahomes has already led a group to the Super Bowl and to the AFC Championship all these times and only came away with one. I don't think that's a slight against the Chiefs so much as just saying it's just hard. It's just incredibly difficult for a team to hoist the Lombardi again and again and again. So 
Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to go with three myself. Um, you know, there was that like 10 year period where the Patriots didn't win any Super Bowls. And then they had that that really late surge in Tom's career. So, you know, that can happen even to one of the greatest dynasties and the greatest quarterback of all time. You can go a long time without winning anything. So <clears throat> I think this year is really big. I, like, I really want the Chiefs to get one this year, like the next one to two years, because he still has Travis Kelsey playing at P4. So this is a really good time to get that second ring. And then maybe there, you know, maybe you have a few years where you're bringing new guys or something. And then there's like another, another push at some point, but like, I, you know, going to two Super Bowls and four straight AFC championship games, only coming away with one, one ship still pretty good. I mean, I'll take 25% um, any day, uh, but getting one more while Travis Kelsey is still Travis Kelsey. I think that would be great. Um, and then set the table for, for later. Uh, what do you guys think out there? Uh, Apex says eight. Uh, if they get a three P wow. Um, eight, I'll do eight. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I saw somebody say four. So yeah, let us know how many, how many Super Bowls Patrick Mahomes is going to get. Uh, remember we're giving away a, a Patrick Mahomes Jersey. So check the, if you're new, if you just, if you just joined us, check the description, bunch of ways to enter, giving it away at the end of the month. So enter as many ways as you can. And USA AF Chiefs fan, I saw you ask if you're already subscribed, like click the link in the description, follow through. If you're already subscribed to everything you follow us all, there's a way for you to just enter to get that one entry. Okay, sweet. All right. So let's talk about the draft. We're two weeks away, two weeks from today. Boy, um, do you know that it was, um, I think it was, was it, we're right around the time where the Chiefs traded for Orlando Brown Jr. last year. We have right? another week or so. Yeah, another, another week? week. Okay. So, you know, with the draft coming, something could still go down here. We know that Brett Veach likes to do these things. If he wants to get a pass rusher or somebody he likes, he's got the ammo to do it based on, and didn't they, tr- they made a trade the year before last. Frank Clark. On the same, Frank Clark on the same day, wasn't it? Same exact day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a long time. And remember this, there was a long stretch there where days like today, you and I would have looked at each other and said, oh my gosh, we're either choosing Alejandro Villanueva or Russell Okung or like someone else, like tackle looked horrible. Yep. And every day we're like, are the Chiefs really going to sit on their hands like this? And we felt that way for weeks. Like we, it was like a slow simmer on the back burner. And it felt like the Chiefs were out of options or maybe couldn't make it work. We were like, the Ravens will never trade to a contender. The Ravens will never right. be or something like that. And then and then Veach pulls it out. So I just don't think, you know, worrying in mid-April about a lack of activity. And I've been and I've been guilty of that too. I mean for sure. But um, you know, this line, the defensive line specifically isn't done. The roster's not done. And like you said, you know, big trades have been made right before the draft in half of the years that Brett Veach has been running the draft. So yeah, it'll be yeah. really interesting to see what comes up. Maybe I can get Brett Veach to help with the renovations to my house, right? Because it's like things are like a shambles here right now. It feels Have like you're living in? in the like twenty early twenty twenty one offensive line or something. Like Bob <laughs> right? Bob Sutton was your was your uh, in in uh, home assessor or whatever your your inspector. <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh God, Bob Sutton. That's he's yep, like, that's hey, your I'm house about. is bending, but it won't break. So you're right. you're good. <laughs> you're oh good. yeah, this is this is fine. This is fine. All right, listen. So uh, Matt Miller, formerly of, of Bleach Report, now over at ESPN, he he tweeted out a Chiefs like kind of little mini mock draft, and uh, 
it was really fascinating. So I thought we'd talk about what he proposed. He he tweeted out a trade that he thinks the Chiefs will make in the first round. He, he, he explained the compensation, and then he said what picks he thinks the Chiefs would make. So I thought we'd go over it, see what you all thought out in the chat, and, and we'll break down these players that the Chiefs get in this hall. So here's what Matt suggested. He said the Chiefs would trade with the Houston Texans. Kansas City trades number 29, number 50, and number 103, and they get number 13. Trade is equal based on the trade value chart. So to our super chat, to answer your question, what would the Chiefs need to do to get up to number nine? A little bit more than that, right? A little bit more than 29, 50, and 103. It gets really expensive if you do that. If you trade 29 and 30, the trade value chart says you deserve pick 11. So the Chiefs would have to pony up both first rounders and another solid pick to leap into the top 10. Right. And I mean, that's what they did to get to 11, right? That's where they got Mahomes. Well, they traded the future first. That was a significant part of that. Yeah. 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 And then their owns in that that draft. Correct. Um, Correct. Plus a third. Yeah. And that was a little bit higher. So, yeah. So it's expensive. So getting up to number 13 is kind of economical in this situation, right? It's still a lot. You're giving up, you're giving up two top 50 picks and a set, you know, one Oh three, that's not a, that's nothing to sneeze at either. Um, but you get number 13, you move up from, from, from 29 to 13 and you keep 30. So that's really kind of nice. It's like the, th- Oh, yeah. the 13th. And, and thir- like what I was hoping when they traded Tyree kill, I was hoping we were going to get the the Jets pick, one of the Jets' top picks, yeah, and then still have thirty. That got me like that. I would have liked. I would have been okay with the trade, more okay with the trade if that yeah. was the case. So, um, if they use some of that ammo, they get number thirteen. So, what Matt says is the reasoning is that the Chiefs have twelve picks in this draft, and they're likely not going to use them all. So the te- and the Texans need picks to rebuild. So that's why that this would make sense. The Texans are looking at being there at number thirteen, and they're like, this isn't. Like we get some great player here. It's just not going to matter. We have too much to do, too many holes to fill. Let's take an offer from a team like the Chiefs. And now we now now we've got, you know, uh, a lot more ammo. I don't know if the Texans would do it, but we'll see. So here's who Matt has the Chiefs drafting. I'm going to I'm going to read all the players and then we'll just we'll go through with the picks that they with the picks that they have. Right. So. Um, so they move up to 13. Okay. And the reason that they move up to 13 is to draft a wide receiver. And that wide receiver is Jameson Williams. A lot of okay. Chiefs fans are interested in him. I think a lot of Chiefs fans hope that he falls to them. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, at least Matt doesn't think it's going to happen. So Jameson Williams with that number 13 overall pick. And then at number 30, their last pick in the first round, the Chiefs draft Boye Mafe out of Minnesota, who we've talked about a lot on this show. Um, yep. Then with their uh, with with pick number 62 in the second round, remember they've got two twos. So even though they trade number 50, they still have 62. They draft cornerback Martin Emerson. I thought this one was really interesting when I did a little bit of research on Emerson. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yep. And then at number 94, they take right tackle Darian Kennard, who's yep. pretty well regarded. Some people don't think will be there at 94. So then just to recap, the Chiefs make the trade. They move up to 13. They get Jamison Williams, Boye Mafe, Martin Emerson, and Darian Kennard, right tackle. So let's go through these players. So let's start with Jamison Williams. So Jamison Williams is really interesting. Uh, coming off an ACL tear, he got a 6.4. So what I like to do is I like to go to NFL.com. They've got this great prospect list. They have video, strengths, weaknesses, and they grade each prospect based on how they think that they'll contribute when they get to the NFL. It's great if you don't know a lot about these prospects. So 
he got a grade of 6.48. There's a whole scale, 6.48, which means good starter within two years. It also gives them a next-gen stats grade. Uh, he got a, a Jameis got a 90, meaning elite. That's in the elite tier for next-gen stats. So what is your, what is your opinion of, of Jameson Williams? Played at Alabama, tore his ACL in the national championship game, right? Um, yeah, he, I mean, yeah, he's got the torn ACL thing that, that would be, that would be the thing that knocks him down the draft board. I'm two sided here. I love Williams as a prospect and everyone should, everyone should love his speed. Everyone should love the total package with him. He is an offensive difference maker on a team that just traded the biggest offensive difference maker in the NFL and Tyreek Hill. So I get, I get that. I hate the trade up that high. I just, I, I, in this class, you have plenty of wide receivers. You can find yeah. even an offensive difference maker, maybe not on the level of Williams, or maybe one that's a little bit more of a project later on in the draft. To me, if the Chiefs are going to trade that those kind of assets and move up, you've got to grab one of like the top four pass rushers. There's there are elite corners out there. We'll talk about Martin Emerson in a second. That I just don't see this as a fit at all. So to me, if you're going to address a need. I, like I'm not afraid to move up, and I think that's actually a good place to move up because you still hold on to that second first round pick. But doing so for a wide receiver, I, it would that would be frustrating to me if I'm watching the draft. I mean, I love George Pickens, I love Sky Moore, I love plenty of others who may fall and be available later on. If you're going all in, you got you got to you got to do something on the edge. I based on what they have right now, who who do they? It's a gaping wound. It's a gaping wound, right. and I don't get it. Yeah, so I mean, think? look, I I understand why he thinks that this would be appealing to the Chiefs because probably like if 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 this guy didn't have the ACL tear, he'd be the first receiver off the board according to a lot of folks, right? Sure. It, absolutely elite, six two, one eighty nine. So look, he's. I'm going to give you a little bit of this, and this this comes from. Um, if you're not familiar with Williams, uh, this comes again from NFL.com scouting report. Um, linear route runner with electric long speed and imp- to impact the game as a home run hitter or DK drawing de- decoy defending def- uh, drawing defenders away from other elements of the offense. He ruins man co- man coverage, uh, but faces some limitations. He has issues getting off of press cleanly. Although I actually read a similar scouting report of Jamar Chase the other day, so there you go. So it might require some scheming to get off the mark cleanly against certain corners. Catch toughness can be inconsistent when contested or in heavily trafficked areas. He has all the juice to find consistent separation on vertical, over, and post corner routes and could see monstrous production if paired with a high-end talent at quarterback. Well, we've got that. The ACL tear could play a role in determining his ultimate draft destination, but it's unlikely to change his game. Nate S. says, uh, I appreciate you, Nate, for the super chat. Love Williams. I think he's a wide receiver. I think he's wide receiver one in the draft, but don't want to trade up for a wide receiver. Trade up for Johnson's Jordan Davis or, or falling KT. Yeah, so listen, I tend to agree here. I'd love to have Jamison Williams and he could be whoever gets him. If his, if his, if his ACL is right, could end up with like a Jamar Jefferson, Jamar Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson type of impact receiver. And that would be great to see on the chiefs. But as you mentioned, they have a gaping wound at pass rush. They need to get younger and cheaper. They would get younger and cheaper with this pick. But um, when you look at the receivers in this draft, that's where I'm kind of like, all right, like it's so deep. Right. And you move all the way up and you give up that draft capital. Well, fine. I'm okay with you doing that. You have the ammo, but for a receiver, I mean, you've got Garrett Wilson, uh, Traylon Burks, 
Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Drake London. Those five guys could all go in the first round. Did you say Dotson? Uh, no, no. I mean, Christian Watson out of North Dakota no, State. Dot, you know, you got Jan Dotson. And, 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 and John Dotson, yeah. Right? I mean, certainly Christian Watson is sometimes sneaks in there. I brought up, I brought yeah. up Sky Moore earlier. I mean, Sky Moore. It, and it's that, just we haven't even talked about Pickens yet. Right, like you got right. Pickens. Right, right, right. Um, right. It, like, like all these guys, Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama, like they all have a 6.21 grade or higher on the NFL. So like, yeah, okay, maybe if you end up with Pickens or Sky Moore, like maybe they're not as, they're not going to be as top end as maybe a Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams, but they're still really good prospects, like really good prospects that could go in the first round. So why not use that capital? I agree. Move up and get yourself, if you're going to move up, get yourself that pass rusher. Get one of the top four pass rushers in this draft and be like, yep, we still have plenty of ammo. We're still going to have a first round pick, right? In, in this scenario, you still have 30. And then, you know, you could double up in that. Like you could, the Chiefs could, the Chiefs could trade up and get one of the pass rushers in that spot maybe. And then they could still draft Boye Mafe, who's we're going to talk about next. At 30, if he's there. Yeah. And then you don't, and then move up in the second round to get, because they got the two, you know, so there's so many, like, and to get one of those receivers if they wanted it. Like, there's a lot of ways that Brett Veach could play this. I'm not sure this is the way he's going to do it. And I think, and we talked about this last week, the Chiefs have added so much, so many receivers in the offseason. You know, you got McCole Harbin, they've got Juju, that I'm, I'm thinking that maybe that that's the plan for Veach is to wait on receiver and get somebody in the, in the second round or, or at the end of the first. Yeah. I, I think that's the play. I I think the play is to wait until the end of the first Veach has gotten rid of so many first round picks that keeping both actually makes sense. Or at the very least you have those two at the very end, you've got, you've got teams, bad teams like Seattle who are going to need a quarterback who may want to trade back into the first for their ability to get that 50 year option. If, if the chiefs can pick up like, Seattle's first rounder next year in a deeper draft that's going to be much higher, then you're not having to trade up for that kind of a pick. You've just invested ahead of time to naturally get it from a bad team. Um, so if, 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 if Chiefs Kingdom's like, I want to, I want to grab maybe the top white off the board, or I want, I want to make that, that much higher of a, of a, of a claim I think you can get that next year's draft. And I mean, the chiefs are going to, the chiefs are going to be fine receiving the football this year no matter who they bring in, they have a decent core already. And Mahomes is going to, is the rising tide that raises all ships. So yeah, I, I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't like it. I will say this to Matt Miller's credit, Matt's a Missouri native, a good guy knows his stuff and he's a chiefs fan. So it's not like, I think a lot of these guys that make mock drafts, they're like, Oh, I'll send this guy, you know, like they got to replace Tyree kill. And so, okay. That's right, as far right. as they I mean, think some about guys it. Have given the chiefs like a second round, running back or something, you know I mean? Like, like Matt knows his stuff. So I, I wouldn't, he's got good reasons for what he does. It's just not a move that I would be enamored with. All right. So we're a little lukewarm or cold on the Jamison Williams move up, but let's talk about the rest of the players in this package. Next up at number 30 is Boye Mafe. Um, and, and we have a, a, a super chat from, from Jimmy. I'm for Ojabo, Mafe, Emerson, Asamiya, uh, Mumma? I don't know Mumma. Chad Mumma. He's a linebacker. Chad Mumma. 
Linebacker, okay. And then some receivers. Our defense needs addressed first. I tend to agree, Jimmy. I think they got to get help on defense. Um, next up then was at 30, Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. So he he's actually, we talk about the top four edge guys. According to the NFL.com scouting reports, they have him at number four, uh, which is interesting. Um, does he make it to 30 if that's the case? If other NFL teams see it that way. Um, maybe, maybe, but, uh, he gets a 6.35 grade, which is, which, uh, on the chart is eventual plus starter. So, um, it goes up to eight. So eight, if you get an eight, you're the perfect prospect. And then it's a little convoluted. It's like seven point, like 7.3 to 7.5 perennial all pro seven to seven, one pro bowl talent, like, Year one starter, boomer bust potential. We'll become a good starter within two years. We'll eventually become a plus starter. That's where we're at. That's the range that they have Mafe at. Um, so it's very, very detailed. Um, Mafe is, as we've mentioned on the podcast, Verderam and I met him when we went to the Super Bowl. We watched him work out. Um, monster, 6'3", 255. A lot of muscle on that man. Um he ran a four or five 40 yard dash. That's impressive. 38 vertical, 125 broad. Um, what is your opinion on Mafe? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't like Mafe? You know, he's so projectable. I think some people would say like, I wish he was a bit younger. Like he's a bit, he's a bit older as a prospect. Maybe um, he didn't like dominate at the college level. Like there's not like a great body of work. You know, there's not a double digit, sack season or, or at least like prolonged domination over a few a few years um but that said he certainly seems to be growing some guys use a some guys use the pre-draft season to really bloom right whether it's the senior bowl the combine the pro the pro day and he's just been one of those guys who's just like really like wow i mean so when you said he was in the top four i mean i don't know who that takes out maybe jermaine johnson um, you know, everyone's got some dings in this class, really. So, um, but yeah, I you know, at the very least, his floor seems to be productive, situational pass rusher, like a like a like a Manny Ogba or something, and that's the floor. And I would have been fine if the Chiefs would have paid Ogba this off season. So, yeah, I I think it'd be a lot of fun to have him. Yeah, I'm gonna read you. Uh, the quick overview of Mafe from, from, and this was from Lance Zerline at NFL.com. Uh, um, his NFL comparisons, Rashawn Gary. Uh, Mafe's evaluation requires the evaluator to focus more closely on the flashes than just the play to play action. His combination of rare explosive measurables with average fundamental uh, average fundamentals could make for a perfect storm of rapid development. Once he gets focused skill work at the pro level. His footwork is average, and he lacks desired instincts as a rusher, but pairing efficient handwork with twitchy upper body power could turn him into a productive rush bully. He has all the traits and toughness to develop into an above-average starter as a 4-3 base end. And then, of course, they've got his you know, his strengths and weaknesses, which you can check out. I dropped the link to, to his profile in the YouTube chat. You know, explosive athlete with power, uh, generates rush momentum with, with feet uh, charging forward, and, and then, of course, you know, some of the weaknesses, um, you know, inefficient pathways to the top of the rush. I mean, these are really detailed scouting reports. I think you guys really want to check them out. 
But yeah, I like, I mean, if he's there at 30, I think one of the reasons he keeps getting mocked to the Chiefs at that is because they, you know, when they, when they're, everyone does the mock drafts and they're mocking all these players, all these teams. And he's a guy that consistently kind of gets passed over. People are taking receivers, uh, pass rushers. And then he ends up in that back end of the first round. And then all these mockers, they look for a team. Well, who needs edge at this point, right? The Chiefs do. Well, if he's going to be in this range, maybe he ends up in Kansas City. This is a good mock draft. I I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it that far because, you know, that that's just – it's a pass rusher. The NFL, most of it, has figured out in recent years, right, that these are premium – you're starting to see a lot more defensive linemen, offensive linemen are going early, and teams are being a little bit more, you know – careful with the skill position players so early and, and some of those others. So look, the NFL has got it. NFL.com has it. Aiden Hutchinson, Jermaine Johnson, Trayvon Walker, uh, Joshua Pascal. Oh wait, I'm on defensive event. Sorry. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is probably going to go number one overall, but when you're looking at edge, um, uh, Thibodeau, uh, what is what the names this year? These guys, goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> the guy tricky there, Purdue, Purdue, yeah, Carl Loftus, George right? Carl Loftus, yeah, Carl Loftus, he's Greek, oh he's, Greek, he's, yes, uh, it's like a, it's a Carl Loftus, uh, that's my Greek impression, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, Ajabu, and then the Mafe on the edge, um, with 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 a range of six point three grade to six point seven. So, um, yeah, I mean, I look if he's there, I love the pick. I love the pick, seeing the man work out like the Chiefs need it, but it depends on what they do. If they're sitting there at 29 and 30, then, you know, who's on the board? People fall like this. Every year you look at these mock drafts and, and you're like, you all get, you get convinced in your head that this is the way that it's going to go. And then the actual draft happens and you find out that some of these talent evaluators see it totally differently or, yeah. Sometimes it's just bad luck, right? Like, you know, like it's like in the price is right when they play Plinko, you know, like sometimes it just starts bouncing all crazy and somebody just gets missed. Um, it's not that they're not talented, but that's, I mean, that's what people get excited about, right? When that value, oh, look at this value we got at the end of the yeah. first round. Um, so hopefully the Chiefs get lucky if they stay put and there's a lot of value there. Um, uh, next up was... Uh, this one was curious because NFL.com is not high on Martin Emerson. Yeah. Um, I mean, it took me a minute to find him on the list because, so they have him graded at a 5.8, which is average backup special teamer at, at number 62. I, I, mean, I don't want. Yeah. No. Hey, Martin Emerson's better than that. Martin Emerson's a good corner. Uh, I think Martin Emerson profiles really well in zone heavy schemes, which is why I was shocked. I mean, Matt Miller knows the chiefs. Well, you know, he knows his prospects. Well, certainly much better than me. I was just a little bit shocked to see Emerson go here when, when it, I mean, I mean, he's got the length and all, but he doesn't have the top end speed to keep up with anyone man to man um, down the field it's just going to need a lot of help. And uh, like those, those physical limitations in terms of quickness um, and, and, and turning around, I, 
I just think he's going to work much better in a different defense, and he would be a great player in those defenses. But for what Spags is asking, I just thought, oh, gosh, that that is a horrible use of a second-round pick. You don't think he's – you don't think Matt is, like, thinking in his head that this is somebody they might move to safety? I mean, maybe. I didn't see a note there. I don't know what Matt's thinking. Yeah, didn't, he didn't. I don't know if Matt gave a description later on, if it was, like, a written-out thing from somewhere or whatnot. I, just, I didn't see anything. I just know as a corner – I also know there's probably other corners available. At number 60, there should be other corners available that would work out, you know, pretty yeah. well there. It, it, yeah. So. so the overview, long finesse cornerback uh, with traits and talent to compete in full field press man coverage. Emerson has patient feet to maintain positioning against the releases, uh, against release and uses length and positioning to catch uh to, for, for catch disruptions. He's indecisive in his angles to the throw, missing out on interception opportunities. His run support issues most certainly hurt his draft standing with some teams. Emerson isn't well-rounded, but has enough cover talent to make a team. And that doesn't sound like a second round pick to me, at least that particular evaluation, you know, strengths, very good size and length patient, but ready feet for uh, press match uncoils, relatively stiff punch to slow the release but also too content to bat it away instead of taking it away. Rarely rarely charges aggressively into passing lanes. Uh, Only one career interception below average at tackling and playing the ball. Not very competitive uh, taking on blocks. Premature dives at ankles. Searches for arm tackle opportunities. That sounds like the Chiefs, like some of the Chiefs problems right now. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like not, not, not enough playmakers, you know, not, not great tackling sometimes like this does not sound like a guy, at least based on this evaluation, of course, that the chiefs need at least in the second round. Yeah. I mean, look, all all these guys, I mean, it starts on day two, especially in day three where every pick increasingly becomes scheme specific. Right. So, you know, uh, in the first round, you've got your guys where it's like, Hey, look, he's a great player for any team. And then it becomes a great player for most teams. And then it becomes a great player for the chiefs. So you see a guy like Legereus Sneed at the end of the fourth round comes in as a week one starter with exactly what Spags is asking him to do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, man, there may be a team where Martin Emerson, there may be, there may be 15 teams where Martin Emerson comes in and does exactly what he's coached up to do. And they love the pick, but you know, it, it didn't make that much sense to me as a Chiefs pick, but yeah. Four, four, five. Had, not a real draft. Right. <laughs> Four or five, three forty, not not a not a blazing speed guy. Um, okay. So that's that's Martin Emerson. And then our last pick, and Apex says, I don't know. I, when I saw his tape, great tackler and likes to get aggressive at the line of scrimmage. Uh yeah. That's uh that's the fun of this, right? I mean, you watch a guy and you're like, I love this guy, and somebody else watches him and they're like, That guy's trash. Um, yeah. And I mean, this happens. I mean, this isn't just among like fans like us. We're talking professional talent evaluators. Sometimes they're all over the board on some of these guys. Uh, Jimmy says, and appreciate you for the for the super chat. Emerson's tape is really good, solid tackling. Okay, all right. So some of our draft experts out in the Arrowhead Attic universe disagree with NFL.com. Uh, and then hey, nine. Go ahead. Hey, well, hey, let's note this too. That what we often don't know. Like if you watch, let's say you, let's say I'm watching tape on Patrick Allen going to work. Right. Right. I watch Patrick. I watched a Tuesday tape and Patrick is like, looks devoted at his laptop, head down, churning out endless, going to the printer all the time. And 
in right. Zoom meetings, and I'm like, oh, incredibly productive. And then what I don't know is you didn't sleep well on Tuesday night, show up Wednesday. And so someone else is like, well, I watched his Wednesday tape, and he's falling asleep at the computer. I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm just making up a dumb example. But the truth yeah. is we don't know when an injury is slowing a guy. We don't know when the coaches are asking them to do something that they're not that great at. We don't know. Um, there's so much we don't know. Yeah. And then there's also so much we already do know that's even hard to factor in. So I think that's what makes us all love this so much, the mystery of it all. But yeah. but yeah, you know, we can say we watch tape of this guy versus USC and and then looks wildly different than when they face Miami, Florida. So yeah. How did you know I didn't sleep well on Tuesday night? Well, you know, I watched the tape. I mean, I've <laughs> I've got I really did. I was up in the middle of the night because all this crap. I I just I that was a bad night. Wednesday slept great. Last night slept great. So, uh, hanging in Jimmy again. Thank you, man. Uh, whatever on Emerson, he passes my eyes test. Uh, LOL. All right. Uh, and lastly in this mock is Darian Kennard. Now I liked this when I read the scouting report on, on Kennard, I liked this pick a lot, especially at 94. Um, what did you think? You're not a fan. You want to go first? Sure. Let me go first. So, so, uh, the NFL.com grade 6.24 grade eventual starter. Um, now this, He's a right tackle, but NFL.com thinks he's going to guard, and he projects as an eventual starter at guard. Um, 6'5", 345. Uh, yeah. He sounds like he fits in the um, the mold of the of the guards that that, that the Chiefs have now, like yeah. nasty, Mauler. Listen the to these strengths. Tr- yeah, sorry. Go ahead. That's right. Oak tree frame yeah. with proportional thickness throughout. Um, premium wingspan with enormous hands, able to generate instant movement when his technique is right. Torques and turns defenders out of the gap. Enough range uh, to handle short and long pull uh, blocking tasks. The overview, three-year starter at right tackle with a right guard projection. Kennard possesses a thick bone frame that is very girthy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know how I'd feel, even if I was a football player, somebody described me as very girthy, but well proportioned. Uh, he's not a bad athlete, but faces limitations with lateral and recovery movements, which is probably why he's projecting yes. as a guard instead of a tackle. Uh, a transition inside should allow for more advantageous positioning is both a, a, a drive blocker and in pass protection. Kennard is an all day mauler relying heavily upon a nasty demeanor and physical advantages to overwhelm opponents. However, he could see substantial downturn and success rate at the pro level, unless he spends more time and energy improving his hand usage, footwork and overall technique. So maybe a little bit of a project, but that's what professional coaches get paid to do. You don't seem as high on this. No. Lay it on us. Why? No, I mean, you know, I think Kennard is going to be a great pro starter. I think some teams are going to be enamored when they put him in. Look, however you feel about Trey Smith, you're good. another team is going to feel that way about Kennard, like jumping in. I mean, especially if they keep him on the right side where he's already familiar. Kennard took over the right tackle spot. I think he took it over with a few games left in his freshman year. So that guy's been playing against top-level competition at Kentucky for years and holding his own. But if you hate watching – if you want Orlando Brown Jr. to pretty by far be the most athletic of your bookends, then you take Kennard and throw him outside. I mean, that's what you do. 
And if you love Trey Smith enough that you want to see two of them next to each other, you take Kennard because he is. He's a mauler. He's nasty. Plays to the whistle. Just like you got to love that attitude. And in the run, it's going to be great. But for what the Chiefs need, I, I I just think you're going to need much more athleticism, much better footwork. He plays heavy. Um, mm. I just didn't get it again. You know, I I just think there are other people who are gonna who are gonna fare better. What I like is what I like is Matt Miller's emphasis on hey the Chiefs need help at right tackle, and you can't just you can't just depend on Lucas Niang coming back from a patellar injury and Andrew Wiley like that's not like we need a better investment long term. Let's make some competition there. So I like that because not a lot of mock drafts ignore that as a need for the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, to me it's a to me it's a run mauling guard, and that's not what the Chiefs are like. Very set at guard. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a great point. It's not a need that's high up on the list, and and that's a pretty high pick. Maybe you try to find that right tackle, or maybe you're getting totally. cornerback depth. You know, safety depth. Like the Chiefs need those positions. They even need linebacker depth. I mean, they're they're you can set get with a their starter linebacker at that spot. Yeah, for, yeah. for this draft class. All right. So that was the Matt Miller mock draft. Super fun. Uh, I love it. I love talking about stuff like this. We got two weeks to go, so it's time to bone up. Um, listen, if you like the Arrowhead Attic podcast, and, and before actually before I get to this, I just want to tease. The Chiefs hosted, speaking of wide receivers, the Chiefs hosted another wide receiver for a personal visit. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But if you like the Arrowhead Attic podcast, please consider becoming a member of the Arrowhead Attic family. And it really is, I have to admit, a family. Uh, Arrowhead Attic members get access to special emojis and loyalty badges here in the YouTube. And they also, um, uh, they can use during the live YouTube streams, but they also get invited to a private Discord where they can hang out with the AA hosts, me, Matt Connor, Matt Verderam, Sterling Holmes, and talk Chiefs football. Um, they also, in the Discord, all the Arrowhead Addict writers are in there. Uh, it's great. It's a ton of fun. We, we talk Chiefs football. We talk movies, beer, and so much more. Members also get invites to private events uh, with the hosts, like a virtual happy hour. We've got another one coming up here pretty soon. So check the link. It's in the description about joining. Um, and uh, you, you can find that wherever you get this podcast. We appreciate your support. Not required, uh, of course, to enjoy what we do. But if you want a little something extra, you want to get more involved in what we're trying to build here at the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, we'd love to get to know you. Like we've gotten to know so many of our members so far. All right. So you wrote about this, Matt. So I'm looking for you on the details. The Chiefs hosted wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're the editor of the site. Like you're, you got, you know what's happening. They hosted wide receiver Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. Eventual average starter, according to NFL.com, 6.27 grade. What are your thoughts on this visit? I mean, it's interesting that Chiefs brought him in. They also brought in George Pickens. So that's right. You're getting a sense of kind of where they're kicking the tires on wide receiver. Some people will probably place those guys in the same tier, I guess. I think Pickens is far and beyond. Like Watson, uh, I mean, I don't dislike Watson. I think Watson could be fine. Um, you know, Watson seems to do a lot of things well without like having like anything like exceptional. I mean, he's got exceptional length. He's six four. Um, but yeah, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be an interesting guy. He didn't dominate at North Dakota State the way you'd think like a future first or second round wide receiver would like 
put up that kind of body of work. So, you know, you got maybe some questions there, but then again, there's been a solid enough pipeline making that sort of leap to the pros that I think those general questions can get a little bit overplayed. I, you know, a lot of people like him. I, um, yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't kick him out of bed. I think, I think the chiefs need help. And, uh, I, I, there are just other wide receivers that I would be like over the moon about that. That's all. But, um, but gosh, I mean, of anything else, I would trust. I would trust the people whose jobs depend on it. So if if Brett Veach submits Christian Watson's name, I will applaud, and just know that wide receiver is taken care of. Yeah, it's interesting on NFL.com. They actually have him as the sixth ranked wide receiver. Um, then they have Dotson, then Sky Moore, then Pickens. Um, so right. just an interesting interesting note. That's just one you know one group of people's opinion, um, but. It is interesting, right, that the, the Chiefs have brought in two receivers that we know of in Pickens and now Watson. And both of them – so one thing it tells us that maybe they are interested in receivers in the draft or that they want teams to think they're interested in receivers in the draft, but that they're not, that they're, you know, they're hoping to, to you know, have other guys fall to them or people trade in front of them because they're afraid of them. To, anyway – you know the, all the chess match that happens. But one thing that's interesting about these two guys is that Pickens is 6'3". Watson is 6'5". And I've been, I've been kind of ta- talking about this for a few weeks now that like the Chiefs receivers, I'm looking at them and they're getting pretty big. Like a lot bigger than they have been. They've been pretty undersized in general. But Juju Smith-Schuster... They've got Jody Fortson around. Josh Gordon is still on the team. Um, the, the, uh, uh, Darius Fountain also has got some size. Like these guys, and, I, and I've been joking that like if they get another big receiver, especially a, a con- another big contributor, that they're, I'm going to call them the Monstars. Well, boy, <laughs> if they got Christian Watson at 6'5", 208, by the way, ran a 4.36 40-yard dash. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. So now I'm talking about – so that was the one thing. Now, Tyreek Hill was just a freak, right? And he's not hes not super tall, but could just, like, leap, you know, like Michael Jordan in the air and get the ball anyway. But we've seen this, and this has happened a lot to the Chiefs, right? Like, these big receivers. I mean, we saw it happen with, like, Jamar Chase and, like, you know, some of the – some of the, like, Mike Williams on, on the Chargers. Like, they throw the ball up to these guys. And it's just big, strong hands and snatch it out of the air. Do you think the Chiefs are interested in this? That they're thinking like we want, we want Mahomes to be able to throw some 50-50 balls that that are gonna, and, and we're gonna turn those balls into sixty-forty balls for us because we just have we're we're bigger than everybody else. Is this? Is it, do you think this is something the Chiefs are 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 seriously thinking about, or am I just like finding a pattern and latching onto it? The chiefs aren't sitting around being like, we have, we want receivers, but they have to be big. Could be, I mean, could very well be, uh, you know, I, in a way it seems like they already have their large receivers. So it wouldn't surprise me if they went with the dots and to kind of get, you know, another smallish guy. And remember, I, you know, I, someone just said like wink just said Watson with MVS is redundant, but let's remember this. When you're drafting this year, you're drafting for future starters. So you're looking at a point in time where Juju Smith-Schuster's off the roster. You're looking at McCole Hardman is on his contract year. So 
you know, you're, you're thinking about where this roster is going to be in 23, 24, mm-hmm. 25, 26. So, yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. There, I think there's something to what you're saying, for sure. The Chiefs are getting bigger. The offensive line got bigger a year before. So you're, you're getting, I think there's a slow shift there overall um, in the offensive makeup of what they're doing. And maybe the offensive line was a foretaste of what now we're seeing at the skill positions. Yeah. It's very interesting. I'm fat. I'm fascinated to see how this draft turns out. I've been more, I'm more interested and fascinated by this potential draft than I have been in years. Um, uh, Did you guys know that the Arrowhead Attic podcast has swag now? It's true. Sterling has been rocking some. I still got to place my order, but check out the link in the description. We got all the links. The Patrick Mahomes giveaway link is there. You want to become a member? There's a link for that. And of course, if you want to rock a sweet Arrowhead Attic hoodie, we got golf tees. There's a really nice Adidas hat, um, champion hoodie. Check out the link. Rock some Arrowhead Attic podcast gear. Show some cheese fried. All right. I wanted to talk about Juan Thornhill. You pointed this out to me. I think this is really interesting. Our guy, Scott Loring, at Chiefs Channel on Twitter, contributor for Arrowhead Attic, tweeted this. Juan Thornhill has been benched for short spells two different times in his career and is entering the final year of his contract. Don't be surprised if the Chiefs take a safety in round one. That's a bold statement, but he does make a good point about the Chiefs have been hot and cold on Juan Thornhill. I think their defense improved markedly when he came in last year after being benched. Yeah. Um, Not a lot of big splash plays, but they were better overall. What is your take on this? Is Scott on to something here? Well, you know, I found that, you know, we ended up retweeting that just to like get it out there and ask people what they think today on, on Twitter, because I found that to be at the very least a good reminder that Thornhill hasn't always been like, Oh, we have one starter and the other starter is Tyron. And then it's like, and that's it. And now that Tyron's gone, we got Justin Reed. And that's like a closed conversation. It's not. Mm. Now we can say, well, it should be closed conversation. The defense was just the coordinate. The, the coaching staff is just addicted to dirty Dan. That was the problem. Could be, could totally be (laughs) at the same time. Thornhill was also slow to come back, look different after the major injury. No slight to him. That happens to a ton of players. So um, I like a defensive back in the first round, especially if you can find a guy who can who can be versatile enough to play corner. Like I love Daxton Hill out of Michigan, you know, for example, at, at 29 or 30. Um, I love competition there for the sake of these kind of things. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, do you think Thornhill has it locked down and there's no need? Or do you think the even a contract year, yet that it would be good investment. Is that too high for safety? I just think that in the first round, I'm not taking a safety in the first round. Like I'm just not doing it. Like unless Eric Berry's back on the board, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like I just I don't I do. think that uh, that position. And I said this when we were talking about whether or not the Chiefs would sign resign Tyron Matthew. I just don't see it as a premium position. It's an important position. But I think that if you if you're better if you're good up front and you're good in the middle and you've got solid corners, you don't need Troy Palomalu running around back there. You just like you know, I mean, anybody needs Troy Palomalu, but like you know what I mean, right? Like you don't have to try to achieve that if you if you draft a guy in the third round and he becomes Troy Palomalu or or something that's friggin' fantastic. 
But like you can have Troy Polamalu and it doesn't like the rest of the defense can be trash. It's not it's as great as he is or Ed Reed. Like it doesn't matter. Um, and I just think that there's other positions that are that are more important. And especially for where the Chiefs are at right now, I would consider taking a safety in the first round, even at the back end of the first round, a luxury pick. Yeah, I understand that. I think recent Chiefs history shows us that safety is more important in a Spags defense than maybe safety is to the general NFL defensive scheme because they paid so much for Tyron and they took one in the second. So there has been an emphasis on greater investments at safety. And look at what the Chiefs came out in free agency with Justin Reed locked down before anything else. So despite the gaping wound we've talked about at edge rusher, Veach was honed in on safety first. So, you know, we can, you can say in general, oh yeah, safety is a good place to find value. You don't need to draft it early. Brett Veach put his first attention of the offseason on safety. Again, the big contract for Tyron three years ago, a second round pick on Juan Thornhill. The Chiefs' actions at least say, we think safety is more important than other teams. Yeah, but I do think that the some of it was by necessity, right? Like they had to replace Tyron Matthew and get that taken yep. care of. There's no, there's no depth there. They knew Sorensen was moving on, so they had to get somebody in free agency, and there was a value there. And, it, you know, bringing him in in the first place was a move to get an attitude on defense, get leadership on defense. So it was, that was, Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. I'm just playing Not- devil's advocate here saying – there are some high level investments. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, it's, it's really fascinating. Like I think Juan Thornhill is a good player. I don't know what the chiefs deal with him is. If maybe they just felt he wasn't ready or he wasn't working hard enough coming back. I just don't, it was so weird that him like a Todd Haley with Derek Johnson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 52 guys off the streets could have won. You know, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I think he's a solid player. I think if they could keep him, they should keep him, you know, still young. It just depends on what the, what the contract situation is. But I think he's, you know, I think they could replace him too later if they had to, and if they needed to get cheaper and they could probably do that later in this draft. If there's somebody sure. that they like, um, you know, and there's guys like at the back end of that first round, like, you know, do they end up taking, like, do they throw a curveball at us? Do they take a tackle? Like, do they draft somebody like Charles cross or something, you know, if they're still on the board, like, I, I don't know, like it would be, it would be fascinating to if they if we're all thinking they're going to go edge and receiver, you know, and then they do something wacky like take safety and tackle right. <laughs> first round, and they're like not a cornerback, you know, and everybody's like losing their minds. Um, I don't know. I, I really, it's a this draft is a complete mystery to me of what Brett Beach is going to do, but I'm almost sure, like I'm like ninety percent sure he's going to make a big trade maybe before this draft even happens because he's got all that ammo and he has so many spots he needs to fill. It's like when they traded for Orlando Brown jr. Veach knew he had a lot of spots to fill along that offensive line. He, he, he did some things to try to like, make sure he was like, okay, like they signed Kyle long, right? He was like, this is, you know, it's not great, but it's probably better than the other options I could get. He had got, he locked up Tooney. He's like, I want to make sure, I get like one guy. He did yeah. that. And then he was looking at the tackle positions and he's like, I got to have a left tackle. And, and if, if he wasn't able to, he tried to get uh, 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 the, oh God, the tackle from the 49ers. Um, 
Trent Williams. Williams. Tried to get Trent Williams and couldn't. And he was like, all right. So he was big game hunting at that position. And then he went to work trying to get Orlando Brown. And if he wasn't able to get Orlando Brown, you bet your ass he would have traded traded it up in that draft to get the guy he wanted. Um, So that's why it's just fascinating to me heading into these next couple weeks is I know he's got a list, you know, and he's like, all right, like, what do I want to do here? He, he's going to leave some of it up to the ch- to chance in the draft. You have to, right? He didn't know he was going to be able to get Creed Humphrey for sure. He didn't know he was able to going to be able to get Trey Smith. But those picks don't look as brilliant by Brett Veach if he doesn't first go out and sign Joe Tooney and trade for Orlando Brown Jr. Now it's like, oh, man, you did a bang-up job. But if he leaves it all up to chance and he just goes into the draft, the Chiefs don't have – probably don't have the offensive line a good off as good of an offensive line as they do today. No chance. So right. it's about managing your risk. And if you've got a lot of holes, he's going to do something. I just don't know what, would you agree? No, no. You uh, think he's just going to, no. he's going to, no, he's going to riverboat run, let it all ride. I, yeah. No, no, no. I'll, I'll say it this way. Um, Cause I think there's a macro picture and you tell me if you agree with this or not. Okay. I think, I think, I think what Brett Veach is doing this off season, it took me a long time because Overall, this offseason, I've been watching and I've been thinking they're being so reactive rather than proactive. Like, I just mm. don't like it. There's a lot of like they traded Tyreek Hill two weeks too late. Like, if you wanted to free up all that cap space, why wait until almost every great pass rusher has whatever? But here, but then I, 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 I tried to think about this, especially while I was on vacation. And, and here's what I think the NFL has changed in two major ways. They've already added one game, and they're going to add an 18th regular season game soon, probably by next year, right? And they added a seventh player playoff spot to each conference. In other words, they're watering down their own product. Every game, every game is meaningful, but it's a little less meaningful when you have 18 regular season games than 16, right? Yep. Last year, we saw the defense go from the worst thing I've ever seen. Like we're just like pulling our hair out because they're so bad to, Oh my gosh, they've, they've dominated over eight straight opponents. Right. So in other words, the NFL is making the game, the, the season longer, which allows teams to go through more of a metamorphosis over time. As they do this, a team can afford to take some licks on the front end to grow. You can suffer a few losses and still make the playoffs because now there's seven teams that get in in each conference, right? Yeah. So if I'm Veach right now, I'm looking and going, holy hell, we can get young real fast, and we may take our licks. We may lose three of the first six games. That, that's fine because, because we can even sneak into the playoffs next year if we, ha- if we have to, if we have to. But what this allows them to do, because right now – who are you going to get at pass rusher? Who are you going to get? Who are you going to sign? Jadavian Clowney? Melvin Ingram is already visiting the Dolphins. I mean, at this point, who knows? There's no cornerstone there. And in terms of a trade, there's no obvious guy, I think, to trade for who doesn't come with his own questions and or huge financial demands, right? Yep. If you're Brett Veach, you roll with a ton of young guys up front and in positions of need. And you always have the NFL's trade deadline where – where because right now everyone's playing to win, right? But halfway through the season, the Jags are going to be selling Josh Allen. They just are. 
and they're going to be selling them at a much better price than what it's going to cost you right now when they're still trying to sell season tickets and sell you on the Doug Peterson era and the whatever, whatever, whatever. So I think what the Chiefs can afford to do is go young, see where the needs really are versus what we are panicked about right now, wait until the trade deadline to bring in veterans to go where the needs really are. Because we've – because before other seasons, we've said, oh, my gosh, they have no one at cornerback. What's going to happen? And then we see, like, Sneed start week one, and he looks like a future pro bowler. And we're like, oh, it wasn't such a big need after all. So what if the Chiefs roll with Frank Clark, Boye Mafe, Camp Thomas, maybe another pick or whatever, and and Josh Kando turns into something, right? Like, like they have time to actually, like, look in training camp, look in preseason games, and maybe even into the regular season and to be able to get guys then for much cheaper. The trade deadline, remember they've got 10 picks next year, um, plus any compensatory picks on top of that, plus any picks that Brett Veach trades for next year because he's trading out of this draft. So yeah. I just I think it makes the most sense at this point to go ahead and go young, wait until prices drop near the trade deadline, trade for needs that you actually have versus perceived needs on paper. And I think that's the way for the Chiefs to go at this point because the market makes zero sense to me otherwise. I think you got me convinced. Draft all 12 each. Let's see what you got, man. <laughs> 12 guys. Let's just get real young. Let's get real cheap. Dynasty building, baby. I love it. I love it. It's going to be – I'm just like, I can't wait for it to get here. I'm starting to feel like a little kid on Christmas Eve. It's going to be absolutely bananas, this draft, with all of the ammo that the Chiefs had. And like you said last week, you're going to have to watch every second. You're going to be glued every to second. your TV because the Chiefs could make a move, probably. Well, they're going to trade somewhere in that draft. Oh, yeah. Um, right? They're going to, even if it's not early on, with all those late-round picks they have, they're going to move up in, you know, in, in some of those mid-rounds so they can target guys they really like there. Uh, and they're not going to care about giving up some of those later picks. So Apex is, I think we draft seven or eight. Um, yeah, at most. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they, 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 you don't want to just draft a bunch of guys that you're going to have to cut because you just don't have room on the roster. And this is a, a really talented roster. It's not like the Chiefs have a ton of spots. I mean, you could sit down and look at the roster and you could start, you know, how many, how many slots they've got, how many people are you going to be able to add? Um so they need to do something with that capital and not just waste them on taking guys that aren't going to make the team. So they know that too. They, they probably are looking at their depth chart and saying, look, man, we can add seven guys, eight guys tops. And right. Right. And that's it. So uh, what are we going to do with these picks? So trading back is going to be interesting. Wink says, great point, Matt, but living and dying with every game is exhausting. I love it. it um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, listen, everybody. This has been a great show. I've had a lot of fun. I feel a lot better, as I almost always do after I, I hang out with you all and, and do this podcast. Um, so appreciate you lifting my spirits a little bit. Matt Verderam, our guy, he'll be back next week, Thursday, Woo! with me, catching you up on on what it's like to have two kids. He and his wife have gone. They're playing. Uh, they're playing. They're still playing man to man. You know, but they can't. They they, they were double teaming with easy, but now they're on man to man. I don't know if they'll ever get to a zone. That's a that's a that's a, a bold jump to go to that zone defense. Um, but uh, yeah, he'll be back. You, Matt Connor, you will be back on Tuesday with Sterling Holmes as we 
inch closer and closer to the draft, things are going to start moving. You're going to want to keep it right here on the Arrowhead Addict YouTube channel. We uh, special shout out to all y'all, the audio listeners. If you want to hear your question, if you got questions about the draft and you're not able to watch live, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Not only does it help the podcast out, it helps people find our content. We'll read your review and your question on the podcast. And it doesn't just have to be cheese related. People ask us about our favorite cereals, some of the other ridiculous crap that we talk about on this podcast. So um, we'd love to, we'd love to find out about what you're interested in. You want us to rank something. We'll uh, probably rank it. Um, Just leave us a review over there. Any, any parting thoughts, Matt, before we get out of here? No fun time, man. Go cheese. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if anybody knows a good roofing guy, hit me up. Uh, I'm in Chicago. All right. (laughs) Especially if somebody will give me a discount. Um, All right, everybody. Appreciate you for, uh, for Matt Connor, for the on paternity leave, Matt Verderam, for our producer, Richard. My name is Patrick Allen. Thank you so much for all your support. Hit that bell on the way out. So you're notified next time we go live, but until then go chiefs. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save big.